Welcome to the Keeping It Business Podcast. I'm Adam Payne, a multiple small business owner, business mentor and growth coach, and your host here on Keeping It Business. Right, I am happy to have with me, overjoyed to have with me, Jules White, because um, she has, for me, some, I'm going to use the word unique, um, but I'm going to let uh, Jules explain this later on uh, within her business and, and some fantastic stuff on sales uh, within uh, businesses and business for business owners, businesses at that side. I absolutely love her job title of Chief Inspiration Officer, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, so I'm going to ask her where that coin came from really uh, later on, uh, but I'll let Jules introduce herself. So Jules, over to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's lovely to see you. Um, yes, so I am Jules White and I, well, where shall I start? I suppose the first thing to say is that I've been in sales for 32 years. It's kind of a good place to start and not because it's um, a USP particularly, but it's just, it's been a long time. Um, and when I look back, I think I'm still in sales. So I actually must really love this stuff, you know? So that's kind of what I wanted to bring straight away. So when you hear someone talking about sales and I don't know, sometimes people call you expert, don't they? Um, it is based on me walking the walk for 32 years. So I've worked in so many sectors, I probably would run out of time just on this podcast telling you, but a real breadth of different sectors from stainless steel, I've sold stainless steel bars, you know, to yellow pages, to tickets for sports hospitality. Oh, such a, a wonderful uh, array of things that I've sold. And um, I think one of the things that I realized about three years ago, I got made redundant. So I had a pot of money, wasn't a big pot, it was three months salary. And I thought, do I really want to go and work for someone again? Or do I want to just start my own business? Um, and there is some history where I had a business previously. We'll probably talk about that. Yep. So I thought, yes, I'm going to do this again, but I'm just going to do, I'll be a coach. I'll coach anything anyone wants me to coach because I've been through all sorts of stuff. And I spoke to my old Yellow Pages manager on a, on a call like this, a Zoom call. And he said to me, Jules, what are you going to coach? I said, everything, anything. I've been through all of it. It's fine like this. And he just looked at me and he went, why aren't you doing sales? He says, you, you were really good at sales. And so I said, because I've done sales for 30 odd years. Why would I want to do sales? And of course, I came off the call with one of those light bulb moments. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I love sales. But, and there is a but, I need to go into the world talking about sales in a different way because I'm fed up of how sales is talked about with it being process and steps of the sale and pushy. And so I created Live It, Love It, Sell It. Yeah. To which I am the chief inspiration officer, as you quite rightly say. I made it up, by the way. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. The thing for me is I think it's absolutely bloody superb i really do love that <laughs> i think it's just genius that is yeah so i mean i'm i'm in the coaching space i guess but i'm working in so many different ways you know sometimes it is very much coaching sometimes it's more mentoring and sometimes it's it's ground level training so i get this lovely mix really of whatever clients want working with entrepreneurs like us um to teams of salespeople in corporate so 
I am very lucky. I'm doing what I love. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very, and that is because I know that the, the very varied around you. That's something I I like that that varied side of either being one to one or or group training and things like that. I do love it. So I'm totally with you on there. Now, I mentioned unique, and this you have this trademark UHP. Yes. I do. Explain a little bit about that. Explain it. Explain yeah. it to us. Well, I guess anyone who's been through old school sales training and even in sales for, for some years, you were probably taught that your USP, your unique selling proposition, is that thing that differentiates you from the rest. You know, fabulous. Yeah. Um, however, back in the day when I started selling, we didn't have Google. We didn't have the Internet. So I could tell you anything, quite honestly, and you would believe me and you love me, you know, and it was that kind of scenario. So we sort of led with USP. I'm the best in the world. I'm number one. And you go, oh, I'll buy it. Um, and I know I'm trying to be a little bit funny with it, but it really was the way we were trained to sell. Now, USP today is amongst a huge amount of noise. There are so many people out there now who could offer what you offer. And so USP doesn't cut it like it used to. So then we kind of talked about UVP, the unique value proposition. Mm -hmm. Well, this is getting better because actually we want to talk about value. That's a great thing to talk about. But then it's almost that, well, we're all still talking about the same thing. Well, I'm better than them because of this, because my value is better. So I thought, no, there's, there's more to this. So UHP is the unique human proposition okay and yes i have trademarked it because i couldn't see anyone else using it and it is actually your greatest asset is you so there's no other you on the planet there never will be so this is what i talk about and what i work with is is really bringing out everything about unique you because no yeah. one can copy that no, and so absolutely. that's that's magic right there yeah. i love it no I, I the thing i i Sort of like take from that as well is this um people buy from people so it is the human element that comes into it yeah. um so we've got to come across as a human human in the first place and i, and I just and i think it's it's a fantastic take on it you know it, yeah. it's it's the differentiator uh, yeah. for me on that side for, and, and knowing you and, and what you do yeah so coming right back then how did you get into this profession so 32 plus years what started off well i know you're not doing this on video it's only audio so i can say i know i look incredibly youthful to have been in this for 32 years um, well i wish um, but I started actually working at 16 because when i left school you could leave school at 16 and I, they don't do that now they they stay till 18 so i was so young but i wasn't academic i did not want to stay at school i just wanted to earn money so i had that entrepreneurial spirit i think right from an early age i'd watch my father my lovely dad he ran the local news agents on the shopping precinct so i'd watched him and I loved watching how he connected with customers. And, you know, so sales was probably, uh, I fell in love with it, I think, at that point, watching dad just as a little girl. But then I just wanted to earn money. I worked at NatWest Bank. That was just standard admin -y type roles. And as I progressed through, I actually was in accounts, would you believe, for the first couple of years. 
but realized I really didn't like that very much. Um, and my uh, boss at a particular company, the stainless steel company, he came and he said, um, the sales manager's interested in you working as an admin for him. I went, yes, because I knew I could then start a career in sales with him. And that's exactly what happened. So then it was just the case of, you know, life happened. So I moved jobs for varying reasons. And that's when I got all of this fabulous experience. I didn't stay in one industry. And I'm so pleased I didn't because I had all that lovely learning behind me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think it was that fascinated around watching your dad in, oh. in his interaction with the shop and that side? Dad was, um, oh, I adored my dad. Um, I lost him in 2015. Back end of 2015, I lost dad and lost mum in 2012. So, you know, it's a big hole that they leave. But dad was just really charismatic. You know, it was like a magnet. Everybody loved him. Everybody wanted to talk to him. He had this wonderful, infectious smile, you know, and he knew everyone's name. And when they came in often on the counter, he would have ready what they bought because that was their regular paper or their fags, you know, back in those days, they all yeah. smoked cigarettes. And I just watched that. And I, and I always used to think, isn't that such a lovely energy? And isn't that such a lovely feeling seeing how much people loved my dad? And of course, as I got older, I realized that that was actually human connection. And that is something we can all do. But that is why we connect. It's that emotional connection, you know. So yeah. I think it was subconscious probably in the very beginning because I was young. But then I realized what it was all about. I, actually, I, was, I was wondering actually whether because of that one-to-one interaction, because it's very, very personable, the shop side and everything yeah. like that, and watching that yeah. and whether that, as you say, subconsciously had that had that impact on you, but it's also brought out with the UHP stuff in what you're yeah. doing there. Yeah, it has. And it was also that searching for what is it that's different that I can bring to the world connected to sales? Because otherwise I'm going to be saying what every other salesperson is saying. And so it was added that to it as well. But interestingly, because of my dad being a me starting in that world of retail, it's my first love. You know, there's no question that retail is where my real heart is. And my yeah. business that I originally had, which I started in 2005, that was a retail business. Oh, okay. Um, so that was selling baby products via home parties. We were all doing them. We were buying Tupperware, underwear, makeup, you name yeah, yeah. it. But nobody was selling baby products via that route. And I thought, I'd had my little boy, Sam. He was three months old. I thought, well, I need to start a business because I've got a baby who's three months old. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? And I thought if I can start this business and run it as a party plan model, I can still be with Sam. So that's exactly what I did. Oh, brilliant. And so, how, so how long did you do that for? From that well, side? I did it for three years. I'd been doing it for two months when I applied for Dragon's Den. Yeah. And I took the business into the den. Within two weeks of applying, I was pitching to the Dragons. And Peter Jones and Theo Fetis invested in me on the show. Fantastic. Um, which was amazing. I mean, I was completely blown over by that. But I never did the deal. I carried on working the business and growing it with another business partner. And in year three, we turned over a million. We had 400 consultants across the country, had global inquiries. It was a huge success. Um, I was knackered. I was working 20 hours a day, seven 
you know, seven days a week with a small baby. And year three, we got to that point where we were so um, busy. We couldn't really cope with how busy we were because we hadn't put the foundations in place. We yeah. hadn't put those fundamental things in. So we needed more investment, which the partner said they would give, but they wanted 75% of the business. And sadly, um, that was far too much. They, they hadn't done enough to just take all of that business. Oh, so yeah. I said, no, they put me into administration, bought it back for themselves. And I lost absolutely everything overnight. Swines. Yeah. So that I was a think tough, of other words. yeah, that That's was a that tough one. part, That's tough just... part of the journey that was. Yeah. 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 Did, in taking that tough part of the journey, though, that has, that has obviously built the characters and everything that you know now. Going back to that at the very start, would you tell yourself anything different knowing what you know now? Yeah. You said so about the fundamentals and stuff like yeah. that. What would you have done differently in that case? I would have been, I think, more uh, working on the business rather than in it. I was yep. so desperate to just keep building and building, which I was very good at. I'd been in sales for all those years. I could connect and I was building. I built a community. I supported them all. You know, I did all those lovely things fine. What I didn't have was I didn't have a stock system. And yet I carried stock and I was turning over a million pound in a year. I mean, you just need a system for that sort of volume. Yeah. I didn't have the people. I didn't have staff really, you know, to, to support me. I was trying to do it all myself. Um, and I just didn't have, uh, you know, the, the systems, the people, those fundamental foundations that you need that help you to run a business and have a vision of your business. Yeah. I didn't have any of those in place. I literally had just gone hundred mile an hour that way, straight ahead. Um, so yeah, I would, I would definitely change. And I think starting this business, I was so much wiser and I knew, and this is a very different business, but I just knew the things I needed to keep my eye on and how I could build my strategy and the things that were important. I still work too hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's the passion, isn't it? The passion yeah. and everything. Like that, and that comes through and that's yeah. why you, you work so hard. We all work so hard on that because it is that passion side. Yeah. Um, I was going to say to you, it was for where you are now, do you think you would have still have had that business had it still been going? Yeah, maybe. It's really hard to say because I did think about this actually. It's an interesting question, Adam, because you know, we've had pandemic and yeah. you know, we, we can't really not mention that because that's really relevant. So yeah. even if that business had still been going, which I suspect it, it could have easily been. What would it have looked like? Um, would it have been able to go onto online 100% and still, you know, be successful in that in that realm? Because it was much about that touchy feely, being in the same room kind of perception. So I don't know. Actually, uh, I think it would have survived um, had it been set up originally, you know, properly in the first place. Yeah. Because people in America, Australia, and Europe wanted to take the model and start it in those countries. So we had a global interest in it as a business model. So you would have hoped we could have made that work, yeah. yeah. If I doing it again then? Many people said at the time, you need to just start back up again and get against this business partner and you know go at them and be competitive, etc. Well, I was exhausted back then. Uh, it was all over for me. I, I was really tired. 
I think if I started that model of business again, um, it would look very different. It would look really different. We didn't even have like Facebook and social media when I started that business, Adam. Yeah, I mean, isn't, hasn't that, I mean, how do you think, I'm going to ask you a question, because how do you think that has changed from the sales? Because it, I, I, some of the books I've read, some of the things I've got into, it's like um, the old adage was uh, always be selling, always be closing. Mm. Whereas now it's always sort of be opening. The closing of the sale was the hardest. Now it's the opening of the door that's the hardest and things like that. Yeah. Do, you think that do you think the social selling of social media has made that because the salesperson is so much more informed around? Yeah, absolutely. You mean the buyer is more important. The buyer, sorry, yeah, yeah. the buyer, yeah, 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 yeah. sorry, the buyer. No, no, it's, um, it's a really good point, actually, and it's something important to say. There's, a, there's actually a stat um, that I found, which was really interesting, that buyers are 70% of their way down the buying journey before they even speak to a, a salesperson. I mean, that's phenomenal, that's isn't it? It is phenomenal. So that means that they can get whatever information they want, obviously from our friend Google in the main, um, but also from social media. Yeah. Um, they can get anything they want before they even feel like they need our help as a salesperson. So I think what's changed, uh, and I think this is exciting, actually, personally, but I think what's changed is we're no longer salespeople. We're actually now in marketing. And what we need to do is be in front of that buyer on that part of the journey when they're making those decisions. So ultimately, we're in the shortlist when they want to speak to someone. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing now. It's not about, here's a salesperson. I'm picking this up. I'm going to make a cold call. I'm going to sell straight away to you. I've got to gain your trust. I've got to show you that I know what I'm doing, that I am a thought leader in my subject. I've got to come from a place of giving. Yeah. That's now how we sell. And then ultimately, when somebody says, right, I'd like to speak to you, they know so much about you already because if you've done this right, they'll have got everything they wanted from online, yep. from all that no. work you did before. No, absolutely. I, I think I read a book, I think it was by Tony Hughes, which was Combo Prospecting, I think it is. And they were saying that in the right hand, you've got um, the uh, your social media. And you're jabbing with the social media and that side. And in the left hand, you've got your phone and that's the hook uh, to bring it back. And you've got to do the combination of the both that in sales. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got to have those conversations ultimately yeah. in the end. But you can't just assume that people want them with you straight away. And, and no. we did a lot of that back back when, when I first started. Yeah. What do you, going on from that then, what do you think? What do you think? Actually, I'm going to ask this question differently. Now, because I normally ask, what do you think your, your unique skill is? But what I'm going to ask is, unique skill, Jules White now, compared to Jules White unique skill 20 years ago. That's interesting, isn't it? Maybe I had this same skill 20 years ago, but maybe I didn't trust it like I do today. Oh, no, good answer. A great way to answer it. But I think for me, what I know when I'm working with my clients is I am incredibly intuitive. So it, as soon as I work with someone, I can, I can almost see straight away where our gaps are just from a conversation. You know, I, I really seem to be able to hone in on the emotional side of people 
I guess it's emotional intelligence, you could perhaps yeah. call it, which um, I think a lot of us have got. Some of us use it much more than others. Um, I think that's one of my real unique skills. Um, and that's through a love of people because I'm so curious about people because it doesn't matter what shape, size, color, creed, it doesn't matter to me. I want to know who you are, you know, and that's how I feel um, about people. And I think that allows me to be able to tune in on that different level with them. So, Yeah, oh, fantastic. That's <laughs> super good answer. I like that one. I think my dad did it too, Adam, when you think. I think my dad was, was the master of it, you know. Yeah. Because I, I had a conversation, I think it was uh, yesterday. My, my dad was, a, I'm an engineer, uh, trade engineer. My dad was a chartered engineer. I, you know, I was brought up in Africa uh, till I was about the age of 10, something like eight, nine, ten. When my dad come back here in the 1979, 1980s, he couldn't get a job. So he went into double glazing sales with angling windows, <sighs> which was hard selling, yeah. and particularly for an engineer, because it's logic and, you know, and maths and stuff like that but there was a, a particular salesperson then so early 80s that was uh, i still remember him now his name's john lanham at was selling and he used to keep a book and it was all about this like you do this human element and human side where if he'd made a sale to the family he knew the families he'd written down their date of birth uh, the kids' date of birth, and he sent them across his across his CRM, as you would say, your CRM database. Yeah. He sent them a birthday card every time. So, and it was just that real personable touch kept him in the forefront of their minds when they were yeah. they were making the next uh, or looking for the next sort of like uh, window to be done or home improvement to be done. It's about being memorable, isn't it? Really, yeah. that's the other thing. You know, why why will you remember me? Yeah. And, and that's it like even something like chief inspiration officer you don't know how many people say to me i love that where did you get that from and of course that's now become a memorable thing that yeah. they saw and that they connect with me which is it's wonderful how simple is that you know yeah, no, absolutely absolutely so coming back to now so what do you think you for you now in your specific role what's the biggest challenge for you that you're dealing with currently yeah, my challenge is that I am now at capacity, um, probably for the first time, really at capacity. You know, you can, you can right. sort of say, yeah, I'm at capacity, but I might have a day off here or a morning having coffee or something. Oh my goodness, I am at capacity. And it is that moment where you need to make a decision, right? What do I do now? Do I take someone on? Do I look at associates who, who I can perhaps train the trainer? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and it's like looking now at that next step in the journey. Um, that's when you look at risk. That's when you look at, well, what is my real why? What's the outcomes I want? Um, yeah, it's all of that really now. I'm definitely right in the center of that. And I could yeah. sit back on it and actually say, I'm okay. I'll just carry on. I'll have some spaces come. I'll fill those again and I'll just continue. But the entrepreneur in me still wants some sort of global domination. Um, but I don't mean that in an arrogant way, actually. No. I, think, I think previously I, I meant it in more of a materialistic way when I had my first business. I wanted to be rich. But what I really want now is I want people to see sales in a different way, which sounds slightly corny. But it's real. It's real yeah. for me. There's far too many um, 
bad vibes around sales still. It's still a fear for a lot of people. And I just want to embrace that for them. Yeah, no, because we had this, I think it was a question that I think you posed on LinkedIn this week around success. what the success looked like. <laughs> Wasn't it great, uh, that conversation? Yeah. And, and it came, so I knew from, from what you'd said on there that it was about the support and helping and, and things yeah. like that, you know. From, yeah. Uh, just being able to pass on knowledge and promote what you do because you have such a passion for it. So I knew yeah. Yeah. around that. So, and um, so right at that point now of, of expansion, um, where do you, do you have a plan, a three year plan? Because again, we've, I've had a number of conversations with uh, did the podcast this morning on, on our book club. We've yeah. talked about how some people have plans, some people don't, some people, some people don't. prefer to do that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a plan? And a well, originally I didn't. Originally, obviously, the business was really evolving, to be honest. And I would say only about 18 months ago, I was really clear on Live It, Love It, Sell It. I was really clear on UHP, which was more, more the corporate offering so that I could work with teams. Um, I, I think that was the clarity was about 18 months ago. And then I've worked towards that ever since for that consistent message, because I think that's so important. So people mm. just know me for things. Um, and I never had a plan, but when I created UHP and realized that actually I could take that into corporate market, which is obviously a place for expansion, then I actually sat down and I did do a three-year plan and I looked at competitors um, and I did a lot of analysis. And there was a big thing that came out of that for me. And that was that I had a huge amount of expansion to have if I wanted it. And I think yeah. that was the big thing I got from it. So I didn't cling to it in too much of a logical, statistical way, but it just opened my eyes up to the fact that everything I was doing was right. And if I wanted to, I could definitely make something bigger out of this. It's, it was almost a clarity, I think. If you're going to do something like a plan, then, then do it for clarity. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we don't know what's going to happen next. And this pandemic has completely shown us that, hasn't it? Where's your yeah. three-year plan now? Oh, yeah. well, it's a bit of a year out now, isn't it? You know, it's like we never knew that was going to happen. But I think it's good to have a vision on your market, your competitors, but only so that, I'm sorry I'm making this long-winded, but competitors do not try and be like your competitors. Do not benchmark all the time against them. Just have a UHP, yeah? And be aware of what they do in order for you to then create your own UHP in the market so that you're unique. That's yeah. my biggest thing, I think, on competitors. Yeah, I think I, read, I, I have an agreement with you on that because I, I read somewhere, I think it was this morning, I read, I read a quick um, advert. I don't think it was an advert, I think it was a post, and it was saying if you are comparing yourself to someone else, you're not happy within yourself. So you've got to look internally to get that yeah, right. So you're absolutely. not comparing. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's something we call comparatonitis. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a bit of fun really, but honestly, it's a real thing for some people and yeah. it can be quite debilitating and it's just not worth it. They can't ever be you and you can't ever be them, you know? So if you want to learn something from them great but just go out and trust and be you that's the whole message i think isn't it so. yeah it is yeah we spoke around COVID. we just mentioned that how much of that did you have to 
sort of like reassess i suppose most of us have in some form or other um did it catch out or do you were you looking at doing different things and and different ways of diversifying anyway because you got this vision and you knew what you could do with various options yeah or was it a surprise i think i was lucky because um i'm only me i don't have an office it's my home um, I didn't have staff to worry about. I didn't have premises to worry about. So straight away, let's just say I was lucky. I lost £25,000 overnight off, them, off my business immediately, which was a really big hit for a small business like mine. Yeah. And it was speaking events and it was workshops. So all those lovely live events, they went overnight. And I sat in my kitchen um, on the floor with my son, who is 15 now, nearly 16, and I cried. And I said to him, it's happening all over again, because obviously I'd lost my other business. Yeah. It's happening all over again. It's been three years. There you go. Here we are like this, you know. And I had this moment where I thought, that's it. It's all gone. And he said to me, mum, I'm not being funny, but you're not done yet. And he literally said it just like that. And I thought, he's bloody right. I'm not done yet. And so I had an element that was online anyway, because I can coach yeah. like this. I can coach on Zoom. So I literally overnight worked really right through hard. And I shifted everything into an online format, just like that. And I carried on and I stayed visible. I put my posts out as normal. I gave my positive self as I always do. And the clients came and the clients came and the clients came. Superb. And, and it wasn't anything like I was pushing or cold calling or being really salesy. They'd literally been watching and following and now they were ready. Look at that. That's why this stuff works. I was, it was amazing. Do you think you'll change back? Do you think this will, for you and this and this format and what, what you've done with, uh, with doing this diversification and that's like, will it stay? Will you? It could stay. I think or a mix, hybrid yeah. side of LinkedIn. I think it will stay for all of us, This an element of this. I just think it will because you've got big companies now like NatWest and Fujitsu. They've already announced permanent home working. They've already announced yeah. that. That's a lot of people still working at home. Yeah. In which case, I will be coaching like this to those kind of teams, hopefully. So this will stay. Um, what I hope comes back is an element of live events so that we can still meet but I think we could be 12 months out there. People are sending um, inquiries for speaking for January. I've got a booking for March, but I think this is, this is 2021 and, and it's still going to be dependent on how we get through the winter, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So I think hybrid's probably a good way to look at it because it will come back. Yeah. There'll be a vaccine. So it will come back, but it's just, how much do we want it to come back? And I think this has been a good discovery for a lot of us that we can actually connect really quickly and almost in a human way like this. Yeah, no, I think one of the things that one of my takeaways on, on this particular uh, pandemic side is how if I take where we are, I didn't talk to my next door neighbours, we're all in our own little territorial bubbles. And it broke that when we started the clapping, clapping for the eight year and we started to communicate and started to talk and then we had the VE day style thing where we sat out the front social distancing all having a chat of night and they are being planned in now that for me is one of the biggest benefits and I hope 
that sticks and stays mm. as we go through because yeah. that um, social um, sort of like gathering and understanding and coming together was very much needed in my opinion. Um, yeah, I agree. And, and, a, and I agree. A, again, it comes back to that human element. Sorry. It does, it does. And, you know, I was the same. I was clapping every Thursday. I met my neighbours. I met my neighbours. I found out their names. We're connected on Facebook now. You know, it's like incredible, isn't it? I wrote a blog about this. I actually wrote a blog that says, uh, I think it was called something like when the clapping stops, because what I wanted to say was what's going to happen when the clapping stops, you know, are we still going to communicate and will we still have this connection? So yeah. it's quite interesting, isn't it? The whole journey. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, for me, it is something that uh, we've got to uh, got to keep a, uh, a hold of. Yeah, I agree. So, for any of the business owners and entrepreneurs and salespeople out there, what are your top three tips? Gosh, I've only got three. You say is that right? I've only got three. <laughs> your biggest three, your top three. Gosh, there are lots more than three. I think you know if you're kind of looking at setting up or you've just set up really be sure the first thing is just be really sure of your why everybody talks about the why it's a big buzz thing but it's actually real and when you get to the bottom of it it's kind of the purpose and belief and values in your business it's not i want to retire in five years and buy a yacht you know that's not a why um the why is deeper so i think you really need to try it and understand why are you going to do this because this is not an easy journey so have a really good, compelling reason to do it. Yeah, that's the first one. The second one I would say is understand your clients. And, you know, again, we talk about ideal client, but I want you to understand them emotionally. So don't say it's Dave, he's got a suit, two children, lives in a semi-detached house. Say, how's Dave feeling? And what are Dave's values? And what does Dave need from me? Because actually the buyer's king. So we really need to make those connections and build trust. And I think the last thing is um, a biggie again, but you need to always be visible, always stay visible. And I mean, predominantly social media, because that's our biggest place to be visible, but keep showing up with that consistent message so that people actually know who you are and what you do, but also why you do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was Rob Moore that uses, used a book or uh, wrote a book on uh, routines equals results. And I use routines um, and consistency equals results in, yeah. uh, in, yeah. in my side. The, and, um, and something else to add to that, I think, Adam, is if you're being consistent, um, actually, if you're being authentic, yeah. you will be consistent. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the key, really, is that that's yeah. the whole being you unique thing, really. Yeah, it is. It is. And that knowing your why for me is, is critical as well. As, as an example from you taking your example now, getting into that point where you're looking to expand your why creates your values and your principles, your core values of deep down of what your business is. When you then recruit or look to bring people in, whether it's an associate model or full time, you recruit against those core values and those core principles. Cause if they don't match, they're not right for your business. Uh, and that's, uh, so I think that's uh, fantastic advice. From yeah, that. yeah, it's, um, it's a really good point you make there as well. And I think actually you feel it. If, you, if you're really in line with your why and your values, you feel it when someone isn't quite on that same level with you. And it's okay, by the way. 
because we're not all going to be the same. But it's about saying you don't have to sell to everyone. You don't have to work with everybody. Just get that aligned and it feels great. Yeah. The other one I was thinking about, because we were saying around staying visible. Yeah. Paul Horn, I know you know Paul. Yes. Yes. And I was just saying, because he's got a fantastic quote that he came out with. Um, I give him all credit for it if he is. I don't know whether it, uh, it was his, but he says you've got to stay visible to stay viable. Yeah. And that was his quote that he and he uses that consistently. Um, yeah, I like that. Constantly. So yeah, I like that. I think it's cracking yeah. that is. You've got to stay yeah. visible, stay viable. Yeah, that's right. How do you keep on top of things? You know, to, for your learning and everything. Um do you self-development, personal development, things like that? How do you go about doing what you need to do? I am shockingly bad at reading. Not that I can't read, by the way, because I can. Um, but I never take enough time really to sit with books and I think books are just wonderful I mean obviously I wrote one but that's that was wonderful to do that but I want to read more Um, I'm currently reading um, Inspired Leadership that's a book I'm reading by Kevin Gaskell I just had him on my podcast so I, I think reading is a wonderful resource for us to develop and learn but I think LinkedIn for me because I'm there every day it's kind of where I hang out Oh my goodness, how much do I learn from LinkedIn? I really do. And yes, I've had mentors and coaches in the past, so I'll dip in and out of them. I don't have one all the time, but I I know when I I need one, if that makes sense. And I will use that as a resource because I think it's important. I try not to do this all on my own like I did last time. No, yeah. I try to learn from that. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is, it is part of the learning, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, you know, yeah. Outside. and Kevin Gaskill, I know that name from somewhere. Uh, Was he CEO of Fairline Yachts? Yes, Montgomery he was, and also yeah. Porsche, I think. And Porsche, uh, who yeah. bought Lamborghini, who also, yeah. and then he went to BMW. So, yeah, he had an amazing career turning businesses around, yes, which is obviously then he, he did even more of that, but. Some of his biggest stories are his adventures across the world. He's a world record holder for rowing yeah, the Atlantic. That's right, rowing. Yeah. Because I, I knew he was into the, the sailing and that side, and I, and I knew he was very yeah. I think I, I think we're actually linked on LinkedIn. Well, he's, um, he's just been on my podcast, so that episode will come out in a couple of weeks. Oh, and I think what I love about Kevin is he comes at business from the human perspective. Anything he's done leadership wise has been because he's understood the people he has in his business. So unless he's had to get rid of people because of the financial side, because he did have to cut people in in some instances, he still had people left who had been in the business because he, he needs that and wants it. He wants people who know the business who are passionate about it, especially the yachts. Fairline yachts was a great example. And he built trust back with them. And then they started to make the best yachts in the world, which is yeah. what they wanted to do. That was their why. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think it was, I think one of the execs that, uh, when I was an exec, went to Fairline as well. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I've been to Fairline and it was a, it was a cracking uh, business, that one. You've mentioned your podcast. Give yes. it a plug. Yes. So um, it's actually live it, love it, sell it, but it's the human conversation. So when you look for it, you look under live it, love it, sell it. But I call it the human conversation because it's like this. 
it's just yep. a lovely lovely chat that's just totally unscripted and um, episode 63 i think i've just where i'm about to publish we're on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher soundcloud and i also publish on youtube a video version which i know you're going to do one day adam uh, one day i will <laughs> because it just means you've got another audience you can hit with that kind of different uh, dynamic so it yeah. does yeah actually yeah. this might be the first one i might do this one i think you should i think you should do it do it <laughs> yeah if you um one of the things i have is i have a link tree link so i'll let you have it it's literally one link and everything is on there the podcast my book my website my Facebook, oh yeah no yeah, because yeah. I will, uh, right at the end, well, I'll say it now, because I'll, uh, I'll work, cause I haven't told you this, I want a little bio from you and the okay. links, because I'm going to put that in the description of the podcast as well. Lovely. So it's yeah. online, so you, so people know where you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I've got some questions down here, so that's why I'm looking down here. So I've, I, I've changed them about a bit, and this is these <laughs> ones I ask every now and again. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Oh gosh. Oh, when oh, it's going to sound corny again. Um, when my clients suddenly realize, you know, that they're really good at what they do or that they've just got it and they just realized, you know, that kind of light bulb moment. Oh my goodness. That's such an amazing feeling. Um, and of course my son, well, I can't yeah. leave him out, but that's an obvious one. He inspires me every day. But yeah, I think it, now it's definitely my clients. Probably, probably it was my dad when he was alive. Um, you know, he was a, a big inspiration. Yeah, I, I have to say that that my dad is obviously being an engineer, following the engineering footsteps was a big, uh, but he yeah. has, I, his brain is just something different. And, you know, um, it is great when you have somebody who's been a fantastic you know like you said like you with your dad is who's been a fantastic mentor in a way yeah yeah definitely so, so much from so yeah, yeah. oh next one if you could have a billboard with anything on it what would it be and why oh well that's easy see I, now we need to let the audience know i definitely have not heard any of these questions before right because i'm quite <laughs> proud i know what the answer is so my billboard would say there is no such word as can't all right yep. and it would say that because yet again it was something my dad said to me since i was a little girl you know and of course as a teenager i would roll my eyes at him i think for goodness sake it's all he says but it's his legacy that he's left me and it's served me so well. So I would definitely put that in pretty lights. It would be pretty. I'd make it colourful, but it would say there's no such word as can't. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, so going on from this, because I know you've obviously written the book, Live It, Love It, Sell It. But if in 150 years, science fails to save us and all that is left is a book about your life, what would the title be and what would, what would the blurb tell us about Jules White? Oh, gosh. This is really difficult because I'm just writing my second book. Um, <laughs> it's probably that book, but I haven't really told anybody the title don't, yet don't, because yeah, it's a secret. But it's yeah. another thing that my dad used to say, which is a little bit more obscure. That would be the title. It all will be revealed. But I think it would be... Do you know what's really interesting? I'll tell you a little bit about this book. 
I am writing it on the basis of what I would um, what I would say to my mum and dad if they were still here about life. Yeah. So what I've learned and what I would say to them about their lives so that they could do more things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it would be really along those lines. Um, yeah. Does that? I, I hope yeah, that no, kind of makes no, that's sense. Great. No, that is absolutely, I don't, I don't want to say. When are you looking to get this next book out then? Um, I think it might be January um, because I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm busy and so I have to keep slotting it in um, and I need to give it the time it needs. I need to nurture it. You can't just write it in a rush. Um, so I think maybe January with any luck would be good. But it's a bit different to the first one, but I think you'll like it. How do you go about? I've, I've I've often wondered this in writing a book because they always say that everybody's got a book in them, but don't they write a book in there? And I just sit there. No, I read a lot, um, but I just sit there thinking, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. I, I, I'm too black and white. And this may be a blocker, and this may be procrastination. I'm too black and white. I'm too logical. I can't be creative yeah. enough, and things like that. And that's something that's you know in, in my mindset. But how do you how did you go about doing your first one, live it love itself? Yeah, I had um, I found a writing coach on the uh, Facebook and started to chat with her, and she joined my Facebook group. And then I had a call with her like this, and I said to her, "I'd like to write a book about sales." I think you know. Um, actually, I, I, I thought the book would be about Dragon's Den, funnily enough, originally. Um, and then she came over, we had a day together, and we mapped out this book. And she said to me, your book needs to be about sales. It's not got to be about Dragon's Den, because that's a story to tell. But you need to tell everybody how you see sales. Yeah. That's exciting. And she actually came up with Live It, Love It, Sell It, because of all the things I'd said. She saw it was a journey. So she really did help frame you know the framework of the book then we plan planned out the chapters but what's most important about a book is what you want the reader to get from it yeah so actually if you want to start anywhere it's like why will your reader read your book what are they going to get from it what's the outcome yeah. did you find it difficult in doing it the first time yeah um oh compare I it to this time Yes, this time's different because it's a different book. I feel like I'm um, more confident writing this book just because I've, I've done it before. It's like anything, isn't it? You've done it when you're doing it for the first what, time, yeah. you worry and stuff. Imposter syndrome kicks in and stuff. I wrote my first book up to from August 2017 to Christmas. And at Christmas, I said to my writing coach, I'm not writing this anymore. And she said, okay. Um, any reason? I said, nobody wants to read this. It's rubbish. They all know this stuff. Okay, she said. She gave me a month off. She said, well, we won't, we won't uh, chat this month. The following month, we put a call in and we, we were chatting. And she said, um, have you realised now that everybody needs to read this book? And I said, it, do you really think so, honestly? And she said, absolutely. So I carried on writing it. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Because it was just a fear and a voice saying to me that everybody knew what I knew and nobody knows what you know. And that's, that's the thing. So there's a lot of internal stuff you have to deal with when you're writing because it exposes you in quite a big way. Hmm. But if you can get over that, it's a joy. It's an absolute joy, especially when you've got a real book and people are saying they liked it. It's amazing. Yeah, I could imagine. I can imagine. And it's something, I know you've got the second one uh, and you're going to look into it. Will you? 
continue writing? I don't know. I feel like I'm writing the second book for a real purpose. Yeah. Um, so I guess if another purpose showed up or, you know, I felt like I had something else to tell the world that the reader wanted to know, then I think, yeah, I'd probably write another book. But um, I'm not writing for the sake of writing, I think is a good way to answer that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, was there was something else that sprung to my mind and it's got my got a shocking short term memory of and it's and it's gone completely amiss from it. That's all right. Is there anything that you wish you'd have known when you first started out? In business or yeah. you know, in, in business. Places? In, so my first business, perhaps, or my first job. Yeah, both. Either, both. Yeah. I think something I learned in life um, later on, probably a bit late, really, but later on, probably my late 20s, I think, early 30s, was that I choose how I feel about things. Yeah. It was a massive turning point for me in my life. So when I was younger, it was like, well, he's made me feel or she made me feel. and 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 actually i chose how i felt about what yeah. they did yeah? yeah um and for me i think it, i would love to have had that earlier in life but it, but again you know it, somebody said on a post on linkedin the other day um you know what would you change uh, well what would you tell your 18 year old self or something it's one of those questions uh, would you change your journey that you've been on and the answer is absolutely no i wouldn't because i wouldn't be who i am today if i hadn't been on that journey no yeah I don't, you know that's some, just a fact yeah somebody asked somebody said that to me yeah you know would you have changed anything and no because i've done some right things in my life and, <laughs> and no because it, it has it is who's made me you know, yeah yeah i've I got am. i've got a that's saying right. which is um we are built by every mistake that we make yeah and i believe no, yeah. that that's a great saying yeah how about this one then not saying, but asking your 18-year-old self, what would you tell your 80-year-old self? Oh, wow. That's interesting, isn't it? That's quite hard to imagine, isn't it? I'd like to think I get that far. <laughs> <laughs> you made both um, on that one. <laughs> I know. Um, oh, I think just, you know what? Be you and do anything you want to do because you can you know i think that's such a big message mm. i think we do hold ourselves back a lot i've hardly traveled really for my age and i definitely now have places on my list that i want to go and see oh, it's not good timing because of the pandemic but the fact is i think the pandemic's allowed me to really reassess what is it i really want to do what's going to make me happy um, i want a camper van and i want to go and travel maybe just even around this country even um, and I can work as I travel because of what I do. And it's those sort of things. Yeah, it is. It's exactly the same. As you've just said there, the thought came into my head because earlier on today I was talking to Sarah Palmer Grenville and she does um, interiors and designs and things like that, exterior designs. She's working with Haven Holidays. She's at, they've actually got a camper van. They are away for three weeks. She is working on site, but she's in the camper van by the sea doing what yeah. she wants to do. Amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I need to be by the sea. That's the other yeah. thing. I was born in Bournemouth, but I left when I was really young. 
and I definitely need to live by the sea one day. I just know that. So. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it, I, somebody asked me that the other day around what would I tell me? Tell me, eighteen-year-old self. I just, I don't know. I just live life and just yeah. do what you need to do. Yeah. Don't hold if, back. Just go for it. If you're still alive when you're eighty, love, <laughs> yeah. do whatever you want to do. You do yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, brilliant. I shall bring it round because we're about to the hour and I know you are very, very busy, uh, which is all good. Um, how can we find you? Yeah, so um, actually live it, love it, sell it is the key because that's my web address, live it, love it, sell it, .co.uk. And if you put live it, love it, sell it into Google, luckily Google pretty much knows where I am, uh, which is great. And then obviously I'll give you a link tree link, yes. which you can yeah. put in because that's got everything on it. And then the other thing is I hang about on LinkedIn, really. So come and connect on LinkedIn with me. But, but put a message so that I know you've perhaps listened to the podcast because that's a great way to, to connect, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Now, that's a question for you. It's two. One that's just come into my mind straight away of something that's just happened about 10 minutes before I was due to come on here. Um, the first one, because we're talking about message, connection message or not connection message. Uh, for me, definitely. And I'll tell you why. Um, if in real life I walked into a pub or a room and I shoved my business card into your hand and said nothing and walked away, I think that would be rude. And so I don't feel like you should behave any different online to how you behave offline. There's a caveat to that message. Actually, be creative with it because there's obviously some training going on somewhere right now. <laughs> Every connection message I have is almost verbatim, word for word, which is quite amusing. I probably spot it because of what I do. Yeah. But I have, here's an, a nice little thing to think about doing. I have a video, which is a hello video. Yeah. And I literally send a message and say, I loved speaking to you in that uh, particular post. Um, it would be great to connect. And here's my hello video. And there's no salesy stuff. There's literally, I would just like to start connecting and following you, you know, more closely. So. A human element again. Yeah. So a human so element again. Make your videos, make them short. Do not sell on them and just say, thank you so much for connecting. Hello, I am Jules White and here's my link. And I can't wait to get to know you. End of. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Super. Yeah, superb. Yeah. Now, which brings me on to the next one. LinkedIn have done this, how to pronounce your name. Oh, yes. Now, I've noticed that people are actually using it as a pitch point. Yes. So have you, have you done it yet? Have you? Have you... No. So um, I've got a couple of people in my network have got very difficult names and they have used it. So that's brilliant. I love the idea of it. And then there's another lady actually recorded a song on it because it had her name in her song. So I think it was a, a song that had her name oh, okay. in So that was fun because, you know, you could, um, I think it was something like, she's called Eleanor Gould. So she's G-O-O-L-D, but people don't always know how to pronounce that. So it's yeah. gold. And so she, she played gold by Spandau Ballet. And then she said, no, it's gold after she played the song. <laughs> and it was so funny because it was one so memorable. 
I think if you're going to use it, actually be really clever how you use it. Do not pitch on it. That's just yeah, not going to no hit idea. home. But if you've got a quirky thing you want to do, a poem or, you know, something that's really smart, I think it's fun. I think yeah, you can yeah. have some real fun with it. It was just, it was something that just uh, caught my eye because uh, I'd seen around it a few weeks back that it had popped up that saying how you could pronounce your name and you could record yeah. it. Yeah. But then I'd read uh, earlier on that uh, people were using it to um, almost like a, a, a pitch, value a little, pitch, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, a little yeah, elevated and, and I just think, I just thinking, mm, I don't know whether that's too much. I go yeah. with you if, it, if it's different and it's you know, and you can, and you can make it memorable, memorable again, quite entertaining, or yeah, whatever. exactly. I think we have to be really careful, um, just not to pitch too soon. And when you do get connections on LinkedIn, inevitably it's time and time again, and it's getting really exhausting at the moment i think there's a big push on it um let me cut to the chase um, i know it feels a bit quick but i'd like to and so they're just selling to me straight away and they don't even know me and most of them have totally not read my profile because they would never have sent that message because it's not relevant to me and those things are things that they're really hard to come back from so just be aware of that you know it's really hard to come back when you've missed I, up uh... <laughs> I've been them off. They're gone. I don't connect. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, and I so. think more and more people will. Um, and it's a shame because I think most of them are probably decent folk who just need a little bit of Jules White, maybe magic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because it's about nurturing and actually having some patience, to be honest. So. Yeah. And I think people forget that is that, that LinkedIn is, is that long term strategy. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. You know. But I have business from linkedin yeah good business yeah. and i've i've worked hard for that business by showing up regularly consistently yeah and relevantly and i can't tell you any more than that so that's you just need to sort that and be there yeah, yeah. really totally really agree. good really and that's good. a fantastic note to end on we've got an hour it's been an absolute pleasure George. Daniel. yeah and, and you. it's lovely chatting with you it really yeah. is and uh, we shall catch up at some point uh, yes. face to face and that's face masks without yes. face masks <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely so fantastic to have you on thank you very much Jules thank you for having me Adam this is Adam Payne host of the Keeping It Business podcast just to say if you're a business owner looking to master your time and scale your business Go to bit.ly forward slash AP Diary with AP and D in capitals to organise a no obligation discovery call. Thanks for tuning in and remember, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it's the courage to continue that counts.